0: From One World Trade Center in Manhattan, overlooking dozens of golf courses that will never have us as members, this is the Golf Digest Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Golf Digest Podcast. I'm Ryan Harrington, Deputy Editor at GolfDigest.com. In recent weeks, we've been focused a lot on the Inside the Ropes competition in the world of golf, with the major championship season on us, the Olympics, the FedEx Cup, and the upcoming Ryder Cup on our minds. But this week, uh, we're veering outside the ropes somewhat. Uh, joining me today is TaylorMade CEO David Abelis. David has been a long-time uh, TaylorMade employee who returned to oversee the company in 2015 and helped it navigate some challenging waters in the always competitive uh, golf equipment industry. Uh, there's been a number of times this summer where golf business-related stories have arisen, and including some that have involved TaylorMade, and it, it seemed only appropriate to speak with David about how the golf equipment landscape has been changing and, and where it's heading moving forward. So, so David, thanks for joining me today.
0: Ryan, great to be here. Always terrific to be with, uh, with you, importantly, and with Golf Digest, and uh, thrilled to be able to Uh, add any value that I might to to your terrific uh, brand and publication.
1: Well, we appreciate that. Uh, David, you visited the Golf Digest office here earlier this year in January and and met with some of our editors uh, to discuss 2016 and and what it had in store for TaylorMade uh, with the launch of your M1 and M2 drivers, with some of the very high-profile players that you have on the TaylorMade Adidas staff, with uh, the message of of building momentum for the company uh, in, like I said, an increasingly competitive retail environment. Roughly nine months later, how do you assess what kind of year it's been for you guys?
0: Well, thanks, Ryan. I, uh, first of all, I would start by saying, uh, when I think back to January, I can't help but back up actually three months prior to January because when I came in and met with the team here at Golf Digest, uh, we were riding a wave of momentum coming off the uh, fall launch of the M1 Driver, uh, M1 Fairway Wood and M1 Rescue Club. And as you may recall at that time, M1 was really starting to take over the world of golf. Uh, We were clearly leading on tour. We had more players in M1 than any other driver uh, on tour. Uh, Jason had ascended to world number one. Jason Day become world uh, number one and had won uh, through the FedEx Cup with M1. Uh, Dustin Johnson was getting to M1. Justin, Sergio, uh, and many of our tour players and other athletes were getting into M1. And M1 really, when it was launched in the fall, really in our opinion for our company, set technical precedent in terms of advanced driver technology, uh, built and constructed through multi-material on a platform that had not been done before uh, in metalwood construction. So we were very excited about that. That was materializing. The performance on tour was materializing into our business sure. uh, in, sure. in, in, in Carlsbad and around the world. So we were very excited, and we knew we had something very special. What I knew at the time that I couldn't share <laughs> with you uh, was the fact that we were gonna come down to the PGA show, our industry trade show, and complete the M family. With the launch of the M2 Metalwood family and the M2 Iron. And over the course, really, of the last nine months, it's been incredible for our company. Uh, we coined 2016 the year of M, and it's been everything about M. Uh, we have a strong leadership position in our Metalwoods business uh, here in the United States and around the world. Uh, M1 and M2 continue to dominate the worldwide tours. And, uh, and the M2 iron has become the, the best selling iron in the marketplace as well. So it's been a very exciting first nine months for the year. <laughs> uh, we've built a lot of momentum through our metalwood. Uh, products, through our irons products, and we're starting to feel that into categories like wedges and putters in golf ball as well. So uh, I knew a little bit more than perhaps others did because one of the great things that I get to do in my job is work on these products and know how these products perform before we bring them to market. And so I was was thrilled knowing and and confident knowing sitting in front of you and your team (laughs) that we were going to have a good start to 2016.
1: Well, you, you've all, you've done all this while uh, in an interesting position, too, business-wise. Uh, earlier this summer, y- your parent, uh, Adidas Group, announced uh, its interest in, in selling the company's golf brands, uh, TaylorMade, uh, Adams, and Ashworth. What kind of challenge has that presented you all in doing business moving forward this year?
0: Yeah, well, you can imagine um, there have been a lot of questions uh, from members of the media, uh, a lot of insights from our customers in and around what this potentially could mean for TaylorMade moving forward. And I think we've done, our team in Carlsbad has done a masterful job managing the truth around all this, which is uh, we are in a sale process. Uh, We have worked diligently to ensure that we have found interested parties that share the same vision and energy for the future of our company and the future of this industry as we do. So uh, the process has been very seamless. Uh, We've had uh, wonderful support from our parent company through the process, and I mean that by investing in the things that matter to us, which is making better golf equipment, and in our minds, making the best golf equipment in the world. Um, So uh, as you can imagine, we've managed through this process very well, and we will continue to work through it to ensure that wherever we ultimately land, uh, and whatever this ownership structure will ultimately look like, it will be in the best interest for the future growth of the TaylorMade brand.
1: What is the status at this time uh, of a sale? Has there been serious discussion with possible buyers and or is there a a little bit of a a timeline of, of where you all see this playing out?
0: Yeah, certainly there's been uh, multiple discussions with multiple parties that are interested. And, and as you can imagine, for a brand like ours, a uh, very solid brand, not only uh, around the world, but certainly a strong, strong and leadership position in the game of golf, in the golf industry, uh, there's been an awful lot of interest. We're being very, very thoughtful in terms of who we talk to, in terms of how we work through this process. And again, back to what I said originally, uh, how we're aligned with future ownership, uh, to ensure that we can continue to win and be stronger uh, as a company representing uh, great products uh, to golfers every day. Mm-hmm.
1: The golf equipment industry overall has gone through a lot in the last year, the last few years obviously. Uh, uh, most notably recently, uh, Nike's announcement that it, it was deciding to get out of the, uh, the club and ball business and focus on apparel and footwear. And, and in large part, a lot of the, the, the shuffling has been kind of a contraction of the industry, uh, with the, no, specifically with the number of legitimate golf equipment companies that are out there what do you think that means for the consumer Uh, does it make it easier for them to decide what's worth buying is it more difficult how is this playing out do you think for the average joes looking at clubs
0: yeah ryan fair question and you know one of the things that i'm really proud of that our team professes and and works around all the time specifically our research and development team our product creation teams our sales and marketing teams is we always put the golfer first in fact one of the things that um, is very unique about taylormade is Uh, We're a a company founded by golfers for golfers, and so when we think about what we're going to do, we always think about it in the construct of, would this have value to a golfer? Um, There has been an awful lot of speculation and dialogue around the state of our industry, Uh, and, and in many regards for the right reasons. We had seen some attrition in rounds of play. We had seen some attrition in overall participation, and we're in a participation sport. But what I'm optimistic about is the stability that we're now seeing in the industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're not seeing uh, meaningful uh, erosion in participation at this point in time. In fact, I would argue the opposite. I've got, uh, you and I shared an offline discussion. I've got three young boys. Um, we're a golf family, yes, but I've, I've uh, toured around Southern California watching uh, them participate and compete in PGA Junior League, which is a wonderful initiative that's sure. bringing youth into the game. Uh, we have a partnership with the AJGA, so we're seeing participation rates at the AJGA uh, grow. Uh, and even when you look at some of the National Golf Foundation data, specifically 9- to 17-year-olds in terms of how many players there were last year relative to how, there, how many there are this year, the numbers are growing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we think that the mid and long term prospects for participation in golf, the underlying fundamentals are gonna be just fine, which is where our optimism comes from. Um, and yes, through this process, we've seen some transition. You mentioned Nike. I'm sure that was the right business decision for Nike, but their relative size in terms of equipment and golf ball on a global basis um, wasn't overly meaningful. They're a big brand and a nice brand for sure. Uh, by all accounts, but uh, this business certainly wasn't core to them, so they made the de- made decision based on what's right for them. Uh, but uh, we are very, very confident in our position moving forward. We continue to remain focused on the right things, and those right things are making sure that when we come to market with a product, it's measurably better than what we've had in the past and the competitive set. So that's priority number one for us. Priority number two is to ensure that when we come to market, um, there's intrinsic value in that product, not only in terms of how it performs, but how that product interacts with golfers, uh, how it looks, what the design is in around the products, uh, and the energy that's created around that products to help golfers play better. Um, and then certainly we validate that through usage on tour, which continues to grow for us. And uh, by all accounts, we're having a heck of a, year, heck of a year on tour. So I'd love to talk to you about that as well. So. Um, you know, our near-term outlook is we're being very thoughtful in how we run our business, and we are growing, so we're very, very proud of that. The mid- and long-term uh, prospects for golf, we think the underlying fundamentals, as I mentioned before, are in a good place.
1: What What's your reaction then, though, to, um, for instance, news this week uh, about Golfsmith and the pending bankruptcy filing that they've got? I mean, is that... What's that indicative of? Is that indicative of in the retail business having some issues still, or do you think that there's still – why should we be bullish about golf?
0: Well, a couple of things. First of all, we wish Golfsmith and Golf Town, so it's yeah. both north of the border mm-hmm. up in Canada and here in the United States, um, uh, the best of luck through this transition. They've been a very, very good partner of tailormade and Adidas Golf for many, many years, and I think we've done the same. And I think they've served golfers at retail very, very well, and I think they will – well into the future. Uh, Ryan, candidly, I just think they're resetting their business. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they went through a scenario where they went through hyper growth and door counts and 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 uh, square footage expansion on a North American basis. Uh, and when things slowed down a little bit, they probably had a few too many than, than, than what they needed. So I think they'll work through this process uh, and they'll emerge from this in a stronger position uh, and in a position where they can invest in the things that make sense for them uh, in their business. And we look forward to, uh, to supporting that as they work through it. Uh,
1: another... Uh, interesting thing this year, I, I mentioned what I feel like is a little bit of a contraction in the industry, but but there's a new player in the industry, uh, PXG, this year that, that's come on and gotten a lot of uh, attention for uh, selling you know and marketing a high-end club. What do you think about that, and, and what do you think about the attention that they've received this year?
0: Yeah, well, certainly we think new competition in the marketplace is good. We think it creates energy in the category of golf, and we think competition is healthy for any industry. It helps push our, our individuals and our people and our, our uh, engineers to produce even better high-performance products. Uh, well, I won't comment on their position in golf, what I will say is this is a performance-driven category. And uh, when we build products, as I said earlier, those products really have to perform. They have to perform at the highest levels of the pyramid. Uh, on the PGA tour and the worldwide tours uh, through better playing club professionals, better playing amateurs, and most importantly beyond that, down into golfers like you and me around mm-hmm. the world that can benefit and play better golf because of tailor-made products and product technology. And so at the end of the day, I, I think there is a lot of uh, marketing energy around this new entrant that you reference. Uh, but 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 you know the, the proof is in the pudding in terms of performance of the products, and that's where we place our bets. Mm-hmm. And so we're very, very proud that, directionally where we're where we're pointed and have been historically and even more now than ever before, the advanced technology, like the M family of products like we talked about and what we have planned for in 2017, we think we're measurably better than most and we're proud of that.
1: Well, you mentioned 2017 and one of the questions I wanted to ask you is is about innovation right now and golf equipment. Um, how much runway is there in it? I mean, obviously, uh, some of your hands are tied with uh, the parameters that are set by the USJ and the RNA and whatnot. But, but is there room still for growth? And where, where might we see it come from?
0: Yeah, well, you know, if you asked me that question 12 months ago, which was only 12 months ago, I would, I would share with you the same thing I'm about to. Absolutely, we think there's runway for growth. And a living example that we have in front of us right now is M1 and M2 right where we completely changed the construction properties of a metalwood, wood. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got higher inertia properties, which equates to greater stability at impact. We got uh, better face dynamics, which equates to more speed. We were able to optimize spin and personalize the driver. So you know, by all accounts, almost every consumer we talked to about their um, their experience with M1 or M2, whether it's Driver, Fairway Wood, Rescue Club, or the M2 Iron. They're playing better golf because of it. They're hitting the ball further, they're hitting the ball more consistently, better feel, better sound. Um, so when we think about the future, and I, and I, I have the, the great luxury, one of the great things in my job, and I love it, I'm very humbled by it, is to be able to see advanced technology well in advance of it coming to market. Mm-hmm. We are very, very bullish and optimistic about what we have at TaylorMade that will be able to bring the market and really pursue uh, enhanced performance from where we are today. Now some of those technologies we're not even capable of developing or manufacturing yet because there are multi-phases to the development process. So we will be very thoughtful as we have been over the past 12 months. Literally it's 12 months ago since M1 was launched and between M1 and M2, it's still the strongest offering uh, in Metalwoods uh, by a long shot right now. So, so we will make sure that when we're ready to come to market that we've optimized the value within the existing product and then the new products will have to be better than what we have in order for us to do it. And that's the commitment I made back in January. It's the commitment I made uh, when I came back to the company is that we will not launch products um, and, uh, and follow the clock. We follow the compass as it relates to uh, when we have a better technology that would add value to golfers, uh, then we'll come to market with it.
1: Yeah, no, and that is a difference, obviously, because I think in years past, uh, many people have thought that uh, perhaps the, the life cycles of some of the TaylorMade product have been a little shorter than they would have preferred in terms of how they they would market them and, and how they would be out there in retail. And so obviously it sounds like you're pretty comfortable with the way, hey, we're going to let, let this ride until uh, we're ready with our next technology.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, when our next technology um, is better, then we'll decide at the right time to bring it to market. And, um, and so, yeah, we think that we're in a very good rhythm right now. And, and fortunately, we've got great customers that, that buy and sell our products, retail partners, golf professionals. And um, those who are listening to this, and hopefully many of our, I think they would appreciate that we've been much more thoughtful in terms of how many products, how quickly into market. And that's really establishing greater value in the tailor-made brand and the technology that we bring to market. So uh, we have a very, very good plan in place as to when and where. At the retail end,
1: there seems to have been some success with franchises like uh, Club Champion and TruSpec, as well as individual shops where uh, they really focus on high-end custom fitting. Um, what does that say about the way maybe the golf equipment business uh, might be best conducted moving forward in the future? I mean, if, if more people are getting fit and more people are, are spending a lot of time and interest in that decision-making process and then uh, the interest to buy, the decision to buy process, what challenges does that present for a company like you that traditionally – has you know needed to generate a high rate of of kind of turnover to help with the business
0: yeah actually I don't think it's challenging for us at all I think it's the opposite I think it's actually beneficial and plays into uh, what we are as an organization and what we stand for so when we see uh, independent operators come into golf and provide an experience around fitting um, and really demonstrate to all golfers regardless of skill level that the product technology that they're fitting into on a very unbiased form, right? There's launch technology from TrackMan or FlightScope, mm-hmm. and you actually get to see your launch conditions and get properly fit into golf equipment. We feel very good about that because we have so much pride in the investment that we make in the technology that ultimately will be the product in the hands of those golfers that go through the experience. In fact, one of the things we did at TaylorMade heading into 2016 is we actually transformed the way we sell products. Mm -hmm. Yes, we have the world's best sales force, I believe, um, in golf. I'm I'm one of them. (laughs) I started here actually in New York City as a salesman for the company about 20 years ago. And, um, and I'm so proud of the work that our sales team is doing in servicing our customers, the trade customers. Um, and then to your listeners, those customers being educated enough to, to, to convey all of the features and benefits of our products and performance benefits of our products directly to the golfer. Um, but one of the things we did is we built out an experiential platform in our company. And we went out and find, found 25 highly qualified fitters that interact with consumers, golfers, at private and public clubs and retail establishments around the country. It's all they do and they fit our equipment and they provide technology seminars on equipment and they engage golfers so that they can get a sense of why the equipment works and how it will benefit their game. So I think there's a a very meaningful transformation Mm -hmm. going on that if you have a leadership position in driving not only technology which is for us is most critically important and also driving uh, experience to that technology through explanation definition and importantly the fitting process to show enhanced performance then i think it's fantastic and that's that's precisely where we're modeled around right now and, and directionally where we're moving
1: we don't hear much anymore about um the issue of counterfeit clubs or at least it's not quite as prevalent as it was i think in years past is it still a problem how big a problem do you think it is where has progress been made on that
0: yeah we don't uh, we see it from time to time especially when i'm traveling around the world and i spend time with our teams in asia there seems to be from time to time some counterfeiters that pop up and would identify a product the complexity in manufacturing a product like ours uh, not just in the physical properties of the product and the construction of the product but the design language in the product when you look at an m1 or an m2 driver fairway wood rescue club iron um it's a very complex mm-hmm. machine right which is why it works so well ryan right you can't simply just put together 460 cc's worth of titanium and say here's your driver and it works Uh, We have a group of engineers, the best in the business, um, that are designing and developing these products to ensure that they work. And you can't simply lean back on old technologies and say that's where we go, which is why we always push the envelope to get to new technologies. So back to your question about counterfeiting, it's gotten very complicated to do it because it's very difficult to build a product like ours. So I would say it's less of an issue today, but we always monitor it closely because it's critically important that when any golfer interacts with TaylorMade, any golfer interacts with TaylorMade that they get TaylorMade, and that's uh, that's something that we're very diligent about. Uh, Dustin Johnson this
1: year has had an incredible season. He's proven himself in the past to be an impressive golfer, uh, winning obviously eight years in a row, having a, a win. But but this year has seemed to be really a breakout one for him, with the U.S. Open win, obviously in particular. As this has happened, what do you all do as a brand to try to capitalize on on Dustin's success? I mean, it, it's his success, but it's yours as well, obviously. I, I think you all feel like you're a team. What do you do to try to ride this hot hand? And and how do you take advantage of something like that?
0: Yeah, well, we're coming off, uh, you know, Dustin's win just last week, which was which was terrific at the BMW. And congratulations to Dustin and his entire family. He's fantastic. And no doubt he's had an absolute breakthrough year this year. Right. Uh, He's not only won a few times, but uh, importantly, has won a world golf championship on top of becoming a first time major championship winner at Oakmont uh, in our national championship, the US Open. So Uh, Dustin has been fantastic. And I'm going to get back to your question here in a minute because now I'm starting to get excited about what's happened on tour. Um, We have had arguably the best year we've had ever uh, on tour this year. We've had 30 wins worldwide in M products and M metalwoods, 30 wins, Mm -hmm. which is fantastic. We've had 13 wins on the PGA Tour. We currently enjoy the number one and number two position uh, with two world's best players, uh, Jason Day, world number one, Dustin Johnson, world number two. So to be in a position like that for us is very humbling. We're honored and we're so appreciative of, of the way that, uh, that our team has played. Sergio won again this year. Justin Rose won a gold medal down in Rio, which was fantastic. And I think about the balance of our athletes and how well they've played that have made up all of the other wins, uh, in support of TaylorMade. It's been fantastic. And, and the reason they're winning is because they're highly talented and they also have chosen our equipment. So we're very, very proud of that. I know that's a biased conversation, Uh, But the things that we're hearing across the tour, whether they're tailor-made athletes or other athletes, is that we've got something very, very unique in terms of a performance package uh, in M-Technology moving forward. So what do we do with that, I think, was your question. Well, one, I think organically it creates a lot of energy in the marketplace. When terrific athletes like Jason, Justin, uh, Dustin, Sergio uh, win tournaments, Uh, it creates energy in the market, creates energy around our brand. And for avid golfers, and many of them who are listening to this podcast right now, they want to know what's in their bags. And, uh, you know, M is in their bags right now, and PSI irons are in their bags right now. And most recently, um, uh, when we think about our lift and putters, Jason yeah. put a red uh, spider in play. Um, we sold out of spider putters literally <laughs> in 12 hours, which was incredible. So we're building more. If you, haven't, if you don't <laughs> have yours, we have more coming. Uh, And then Dustin decided to put the same butter and play black one this weekend. And we sold out of that overnight. So we've got more coming as well. So there's a direct correlation between what our tour players are playing and what avid golfers want to put in their bags. And, And I believe the correlation isn't just around the association with the athlete. It's the realization that Dustin or Jason would not put those products in their bag unless they worked better for them. And so when you apply that thinking against golfers like you or me, why wouldn't you want to put the best performing products in your bag, which is really why we exist as a company, to build better products to help golfers play better. Uh,
1: in the same vein as with Dustin and trying to seize the, an opportunity with his success, and, and you mentioned uh, Justin Rosen. I was curious, w- with his victory at the Olympics, uh, it it, it it similarly could be a transcendent moment, obviously for TaylorMade, but but there's a little bit of difference there. There, there are certain restrictions on on promoting Rose's accomplishment and the timing of it and whatnot. Was that all a source of frustration or, or or whatnot? You've you've built all this momentum and then you've got one of your guys here and he's won a gold medal and uh, you're just kind of there, if you will. I mean, yeah. what was the feeling there and. How do you try to take advantage of whatever you can do, given, obviously, what uh, the restrictions are?
0: Yeah, well, certainly there were some restrictions in terms of rights, whether it's uh, through the the governing bodies, the Olympic committees. Um, But you know what, Ryan? Here's what I believe implicitly. I think avid golfers are very, very bright. I think they know precisely which (laughs) athletes are playing which products. Um, Justin is just a, a model athlete for our company, not only as an athlete but as a human being. Uh, our values are so identically aligned to to Justin Rose's it's very special for us much like much like all of our athletes and so Um, I think everybody listening to this knows exactly what was in Justin's bag, and and we shared the energy as a group of golfers, not just a manufacturer, as it relates to golf being back at the Olympics this year, uh, first time in 112 years, and to be able to have our athletes stand up on that podium and and accept gold was was a phenomenal accomplishment. So the energy around the Olympics, to me, was terrific, Uh, and I spend half of my time inside the United States and half of my time outside the U.S., and I can assure you, um, the interest in golf and the acceptance of golf moving forward in countries outside the u.s that aren't nearly as developed at this time in the game uh it's at an all-time high right now yeah. and so we're uh, we're excited about that and we're, we're hopeful that golf will continue on in the olympics uh, far into the future
1: you feel like the uh i mean the aim obviously was to try to uh help uh, get the game to develop in perhaps countries that, that that is not quite as prominent if you will. Do you think being on that Olympic program w- has begun that track so to speak for, for other countries around the world?
0: Yeah, no doubt you know we see it you know I was in Asia a couple of weeks ago and see the youth development programs and initiatives uh, working through the region which are great. We're starting to see that in in Latin and South America. Um, and we're starting to see it even in parts of Europe that are pretty developed where there's a resurgence of energy in golf. And I may have shared this before, forgive me, but uh, you know, again, the, the youth population in golf, I, I think is moving forward yeah. quickly and it's exciting. And golf is cool. You know, again, I kind of live vicariously through my kids. <laughs> Um, they love watching Jason and Dustin. They love watching Ricky and Jordan and, and, and all of these young, terrific athletes yeah. that, that really model what, what, what they like. And so they not only socialize themselves well, but they excite, and, and, and they're cool. And so when I see junior league-based programs uh, like the one at my club back in Southern California start at the beginning of the summer with you know, a couple dozen players, and end the year with, uh, with four or five dozen players, mm-hmm. um, it's because it's cool. And, um, and it's not just because we're a golf family and I work for TaylorMade. It's because I think golf is becoming very cool. And I think the youth movement will continue to move into golf. Um, and we may see new ways to play golf, right? Um, we also may see new experiences in golf, some of the things that we're working on with partners to build out experiential concepts and multi tier driving ranges and, and, uh, and, and different constructs around uh, and entertainment and hospitality. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm excited about it, as you can tell by the tone in my voice. You mentioned some of the
1: young uh, pros out there. Uh, TaylorMade has invested in a handful of top amateurs who turned pro this summer, uh, most notably John Rahm and, and, and Bo hostler uh what was the thought process there and, and why is that important in your mind uh, moving forward
0: yeah well we're always looking for great athletes that want to play uh, our equipment i mean that's that's one of our our fundamental strategic uh components of our business um 2016 going into 17 we believe in fact i know this we've had the best recruiting class we've had in the history of our company uh john rom is just an incredible incredible athlete ranked number one in the, the world amateur rankings Uh, from ASU Uh, actually as Dustin lifted the trophy if you remember on the 18 green at Oakmont John Rahm was right next to him because he was the low amateur (laughs) which was really cool then he turned professional and in four short events qualified and and earned his card next year so John Rahm is going to become a household name in golf in fact, if he isn't already, he will be moving forward. Uh, Bo Hostler, two-time Haskins Award winner, uh, incredible player, suffered a bit of an injury at the NCAAs, but I talked to Bo just a, about a month ago, and he's healing up well and thrilled that he's part of the TaylorMade Adidas Golf family, uh, as is John Rahm, so that's fantastic. Um, and players like uh, Roman Legasquet out of France, who was the number one ranked European amateur, who decided to choose TaylorMade because he, he trusts our equipment to his performance. Um, Jordan Niebergi, who was, was the low M uh, two years ago at the British mm-hmm. Open. So we had an incredible, incredible recruiting class this year. And, and again, we're, we're getting stronger. We're getting bolder. Um, and we're bringing better equipment to market. and It's recognized by these young athletes that are getting into both the Tailormade and the Adidas golf brand.
1: One of the reasons I asked about the young amateurs specifically was um, e- even the most promising amateur golfers in the past still had to kind of make their bones on the tour before they really were able to sign, uh, you know, uh, equipment deals with some of these major players or, or ones that have been promoted, at least the way that they are currently. Is this uh, a change that's just part of doing business now in the marketplace in terms of some of these young players that you're pa- no, excuse me, paying on potential as much as anything right now.
0: Well, yeah, I, I, I still think there's a lot of tenure uh, that needs to be earned over time as a tour player. Uh, and you see that with some young players that, that make the transition from being great amateurs to working their way to becoming uh, even better professionals. But when I think about Jason Day or Dustin Johnson, both of those athletes, uh, Jason's 28, 29 right now. Forgive me, Jason, if you're listening. I'm not exactly sure if you turn 29 yet Um, Dustin is uh, Dustin's in his early 30s they're in their prime they've been with us Ryan for 10 years for 10 years we've worked with them uh, on everything about golf and their game to help them as much as we can with their equipment to become better players and we will do the same thing with John Rahm we'll do the same thing with Bo Hosler Um, So, yes, it's important to get youth into the game, obviously. It's important to get younger players and athletes on tour because there are different social aspects of these athletes that we can now uh, market to and, and work with. Uh, uh, to help our company grow and be successful. But make no mistake about it, when we enter into a contractual obligation with an athlete, it's a long-term commitment for us and for the athlete to make sure that we build upon each other's success over time. And so we've got living examples of all that in our big four athletes, uh, as well as these young players that we signed uh, over the course of the summer and this fall.
1: Well, uh, lots to look forward to, obviously. You know, uh, David, uh, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. It's, it's been a pleasure to have you here.
0: Well, Ryan, thanks for everything you guys do. I mean, having the opportunity to talk to your, your listeners and, and your readers and your guests uh, means a lot to me. Well,
1: I, I want to thank everybody for downloading and listening to the podcast. If you haven't already, I encourage you all to subscribe to the Golf Digest podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and, and Google Play. And while you're doing that, if you could leave us a review, uh, that would be great. It helps, obviously, in terms of getting uh, the word out about the podcast. So, so thanks again, and we hope you listen again next week for another edition of the Golf Digest podcast.